Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Saturday, blessed feast of St. Peter Claver, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. It is episode 464 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk about how there is this new report going around, making the rounds, as it were, about how apparently a firm a so-called marketing firm of sorts, has been caught paying for positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, showing us that, yes, Rotten Tomatoes is indeed completely full of it. Now, we'll talk about that, but let me also use tonight as yet another time to explain just how much of a crock Rotten Tomatoes has always been, or at the very least has, has been even more so for the past five years with all of the chicanery going on behind the scenes, as they've attempted to protect films like Captain Marvel, Last Jedi, amongst many others. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the whole Rotten Tomatoes uh, fiasco, travesty, tragedy, as it were, controversy. And uh, we'll also show one of the prime examples as to how it is just a complete and utter ruse, and how really most review sites these days are a complete and utter ruse, but no, no, no more so than Rotten Tomatoes, of course. We'll also tonight, talk tonight about uh, One Piece. I have now finished... The first season of One Piece live action on Netflix, so I've got some things to say about that. And also some updated news from Angel Studios, including an update on Sound of Freedom opening internationally, and how the reports are that the film is performing much better than what had been expected for the international release for the movie. And even though it's not making huge bucks as far as total amount, for the film of its size and from a film of what subject matter it is covering... It is definitely doing very well, and it is looking to uh, probably cross $200 million by uh, the end of the next week or so. Probably has a chance of even possibly doing that by the end of this weekend. So we'll be trying to follow that, but unfortunately when it comes to films like that with much smaller release footprints, you don't always get the numbers right away. So we will again talk about that amongst a plethora of other topics as they come up throughout the evening. Before we get any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button. A lot of the fire about you smash the rumble button as well. And let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat. We got Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. Thank you always very much, Abomination, for hanging out and for holding down the fort the holding down the fort over there. I did also want to give a huge shout out. I see that they are in the chat, that he is in the right chat right now, but Twirly Wolf. I want to give you a huge shout-out for your $100 donation via Streamlabs. This was off the air. Um, Twirly Wolf donated this, and it is, he says here, this is for your rosary fund or whatever you need. Kind regards, Twirly Wolf. So thank you very much, dude. I really, really appreciate that a lot, and I absolutely will be using that towards the rosary fund. I've, I've fallen behind on them, so if you are one of the five, I have five requests in right now. If you're one of the five that has requested a, a handmade rosary, uh, please know that I am uh, I'm a little bit behind on that. Uh, on that, the past several weeks, obviously with school starting up, it has just gotten that much harder to try to find those extra bits of free time. So I'm going to do everything that I can to get those done ASAP. But Twirly Wolf, thank you very much. And I did get your request as well. So I will try to get on that one as soon as possible. Once I start making one of them, it will be very easy to get the other ones. It's mostly just finding the time just to make even one of them can can sometimes be a little bit tricky. So again, thank you all very much for y'all's patience with that. Hanging out over on Rumble, we've got Kincane Rumshki. What's going on, Kincane Rumshki? Hope you enjoyed your shout out in the video, the last video that I did on the channel. I believe it was the box office breakdown from this from last weekend. 
when I was able to give you a shout out. I can't remember for sure. No, it was the box office preview for this coming weekend, I think. Uh, but he says right here, did you see any movies last week? I didn't. Um, yeah, this Thursday, uh, you know, a couple days ago, there were no new releases that I had any interest in. I, I have no interest in The Nun 2. I've, I have, I've had no interest ever in that series of films or of that subject matter. As you all know, I stay away from that crap. I, I do not like when films deal with the demonic and especially when it's not being done in, in, in an accurate for, you know, accurate fashion when it's using a lot of that, just Hollywoodized dramatized stuff. It's like you're playing a game and it's, it's basically similar to when you, you know, see those kids and you see those people who are like, Oh yeah, let's go ahead and play with the Ouija board. It's like, yeah, you're playing with something, you're playing with fire and you you could get burned. And that is kind of my opinion of movies like that. I just stay away from them. Um, and again, really the only exception to that is in fact, a movie I have right in front of me actually. And that was this film that came out this year, nefarious because this film deals with possession, but it deals with it in a much more realistic take. It is actually very foundly grounded in the accounts of, of many uh, exorcist, right? When when you talk to or listen to the accounts of most exorcists, it's going to pretty much fall in line to with, with the kind of stuff that we see in this. Now, clearly, this is also dramatized as well, but as far as the way in which the, the, the theology behind what's going on in the film and just some of the other elements that are being brought up as far as how the possession takes place, the different steps that take place over that process, this is a much more realistic take, and it does not take advantage of doing stupid jump scares, stupid distorted face, things like that, and again, not to say that those things, you know, can't ever necessarily happen but ultimately again uh, this is a thriller i like thrillers it also has very good theology behind it a film like the nun and the nun series again it just comes across as just complete and utter garbage so (laughs) oh goodness gracious so i i yeah i again i cannot uh get into that and then the other film that came out this this past weekend honestly I had so little interest in these movies. I don't. Yeah, my big fat Greek wedding three. I, th- I thought the first one was fine, and that film made over like three hundred fifty million dollars. Second film made like ninety million. So even people who that were fans of it did not care to go and see the second film of the franchise. I honestly can't believe that they went on to make yet another one. Obviously, they don't. Sp- they don't cost nearly as much to make, and so even with ninety million, you're looking at the film being able to, you know, justify its own existence. I don't know if it's going to be able to do that this time around, but. Yeah, just nothing interesting coming out. I'm looking forward to films like Dumb Money. Unfortunately, that movie will not get a wide release until right around when my daughter is going to be born. So I probably won't get to see Dumb Money right away because of that reason. So I'm kind of sad about that. But ultimately, obviously, you know, my daughter is going to be a lot more important than any movie. But uh, as far as like films that I'm looking forward to, I think that might be the next one on the docket, if I'm not mistaken. I might be forgetting one that's coming out this week, but... Anyway, uh, Liberty Fella hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, Liberty Fella? Thank you for being salt and light on FNT. Well, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I can't honestly believe, for those that missed it, for those that don't live on social media, and hey, kudos to you. Um, I understand completely why you would avoid it, and I had to take a break myself uh, last year. I had to be off for several months because I just needed to detox from um, from it. It can be very, 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 very toxic environment. But I do think that... Uh, you know, when you have comments like you had the other day where someone was basically saying that people like Melanie Mack, shout out to Melanie Mack. Uh, she is doing amazing work, not just covering pop culture, but also she just recently lost a channel where she is reading scripture every single day. And I just think that that's awesome. I think that it is awesome whenever you're able, 
you know, even if we have theological disagreements, I think that anytime you're able to get someone to listen to or at least direct them towards scripture, that is amazing. That That is just an ultimate good. And so I just, again, kudos to her for what she's doing. And um, but within the context of that, some random person was calling out the fact that that she was a guest and that she accepted to be on you know Friday Night Tights. And essentially talked about how yeah, well, no, no, no self-respecting Christian could could possibly ever you know join join the show. And then you had some other uh, you know crazy people also going off on rants as well on on actual YouTube. Again, I don't even know their names because I don't really care to know their names. Um, but then they also apparently went after her or critical of that as well. And basically trying to say, you know, no self-respecting Christian could do that. You know, my auntie, if she ever listened to an episode of, of FNT, right, that they would somehow just lose their, lose their stuff. And it's like, look, yeah, I, I agree. That's why there are people that have contacted me and said, Hey, I can't watch the show anymore. I would love to support you, but I can't watch FNT because of the, uh, because of the language and things like that. And it's like, Oh, I totally understand that, right? If you're the kind of person where you can't listen to that without feeling scandalized, I will not pressure you or push you to, to watch it. Um, at the same time, though, to say that I or Melanie Mack or, you know, you know, extending that out to people like, you know, Jay, like anyone else who's very vocal and is, is very passionate about uh, their faith in Christ, to say that somehow we can't or that we shouldn't ever associate with people who don't share the same values that we do, who don't speak the same way that we do, that somehow that is something in some way in which we should live our life. It's like, that's, I mentioned this in, in, in a tweet. I said, that is the end. That is the very definition of antichrist, right? Oftentimes when you hear the word antichrist, you think, oh, here we go. Talking about the antichrist, right? End times. But no, no. Antichrist is actually a term that's been around since the very beginnings of the church. All that it means is to be against Christ. Who would have thought, right? Basic English, antichrist against Christ. Like, so, Anything that is opposing to Christ's message is antichrist. And so to say you can't, as a Christian, go on either as a guest, he, you know, these people were not extending it out. It's interestingly, they brought they brought these different things up and they were focusing on the guest more so than they were on the fact that there is a devout, open Catholic <laughs> on the actual panel itself. It's like, okay, interesting. But it is the antithesis of Christ, right? Did, did Christ not go up to some of the worst sinners that ever existed and said, what do not sin again was very clear with that messaging, but also still approached them, still talked with them, still ate with them, right? Still, uh, you know, extended the hand of friendship. H how are we ever going to be able to evangelize, right? If we are not at least talking to other people who disagree with us or do not hold the same values that we do, you know, and, and you, you can argue subjectively like, Oh, if it was me, I would be doing this or I would be doing that. But ultimately, it comes down to this too, right? If I were to do some of the things that any of these people, and again, I don't think that they're necessarily acting in good faith. I don't think that they themselves are nearly as serious as, as they're presenting themselves to be. But if I were to say, oh, what would you do then instead, right? If, if you know, not talking to them was not an option because, again, that is antichrist, you know, what else would you do? I guarantee you every single other thing that they would recommend would be something that would not actually build any friendships, would not actually be able to build any relationships to where evangelization itself, true evangelization would not even be possible. Cause I guarantee you, they would probably make recommendations like, well, you should be speaking up every single time. And it's like, Oh yeah, let me interrupt every single time. The F word is mentioned on FNT. Good luck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that's an easy way to just one to, to make a lot of enemies out of your friends. 
uh, to become the most annoying member of your group, amongst a plethora of other things. So, anyway, just wanted to go off on that bit of a rant because I just, I just find it a, a bit hilarious, but also at the same time just sad that there are definitely people that I think feel that way. And again, if you yourself cannot actually listen to that without feeling scandalized, I am, I, again, I'm not going to pressure or push you to, to move past those feelings because I get that. I understand that. Because some people can't be around that. To, to me, it's it's almost equivalent to, and I know that there is you know somewhat of a difference, but to me, it's almost equivalent to if you're an addict, right? If you are someone who you're a recovering alcoholic, you're not going to typically put yourself into a scenario where you're going to be surrounded by alcohol, especially right away, right? Because you know the kind of influence that can have on you. Well, if you're the kind of person where maybe you've struggled with language or, or thinking, uh, you know, or thinking in a way that is is respectable of of one's relationship with God and one another. OK, then, yeah, guess what? You shouldn't put yourself in those different situations or scenarios. But we're also all different, too. Right? Some of us can handle it. Some of us can uh, be put in that environment. And also, guess what? Even the worst sinners in the world, and believe me, there's a lot worse. There's a, a plethora, an infinite amount of people a lot worse than the people on FNT. Let's just be frank there for a second. I mean, come on. Uh, not exactly the worst of the worst we're talking about when, when we deal with the awesome people in FNT and all the amazing things that many of them have done. They're not perfect, but guess what? None of us are. None of us are. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump back into the chat Sorry for that bit of a tangent there, but it was something on my heart I want to talk about. Let's see. Keely Chow here. Sorry, it took me 13 minutes to get into the chat, but at 6.33, 6.33, uh, Keely says, How are you, Baby Thor and Freya doing? We're all doing just fine. Baby Thor is, is you know, still trying to fall asleep. He he struggles to fall asleep sometimes because he's like me. We can already tell already he's, he's, he's going to have some kind of ADD. Um, and again, it's not because of him being hyperactive as a kid. It's because... As someone who has lived with it and diagnosed since I was in, uh, I think, kindergarten, first grade, um, and, and someone that knows that it's something beyond just, you know, there's this false perception that, oh, it's just this fake thing. No, it's overprescribed. It is over, um, it, it is something that absolutely is being abused, right? The the diagnosis, it's overdiagnosed, absolutely. And I think that anyone that does falsely diagnose anyone um, with ADHD is, is despicable and, sh- and should be, you know, should obviously lose their medical license, but it's a real thing as someone who lives with it and, and knows what it's like. Um, but so anyway, he's, he's been struggling to fall asleep though. Uh, I think w- with that, just again, he just, he's such a social person too. I love him. I love my little guy. Orange Shire reviews laying down the law. Again, if you have a comment or a question, please put at Odin, the very beginning of your comment at Odin. Let's know you're trying to get my attention. I do typically fall about 20 to 40 minutes behind in the chat, so please don't spam. I will get to your comments as long as you tag. Um, or if you're a member, you do not have to worry about tagging. But if you are talking to me, uh, please, you know. Or rather, if you're talking to somebody else, please, if you could, tag that person in said chat. Uh, Liberty Fella over on Rumble says, I appreciate the folks on FNT mostly have stopped talking, taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, while the panel may not mostly uh, most of believers, they care about our culture. Totally agree about loving uh, tax collectors, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And and also the other thing with that too is it, it would also be to ignore the immense amount of good. I mean, I remember when it was I think it was when Leonard Nimoy passed away, and one of the first things, and if I'm for, if I'm mixing this up with someone else, you know, please let me know. But I'm pretty sure one of the first things that Gary did 
was he held a fundraiser for one of the charities that that Leonard Nimoy worked with. Again, if it wasn't his, then it was someone else who was a uh, who was a well-known actor within nerd space, nerd culture, who had a specific charity in their name or had a specific charity they were connected with. And just again, just as a natural thing that that became um, something that that he wanted to, to work for, that he wanted to be able to help support for it. So, you know, it's also, again, to ignore all of the immense good that have been done by so many of these people. So many, so many of these amazing people, especially on the FNT crew. Let's see, Gump 3PO, what is going on, brother? Welcome back. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member, hail to you. Orange Hat, I saw this before the show started, man, and that's messed up. He says, a friend of mine is in big trouble. He baked pot brownies and did not tell me. I'm sorry if you are freaking out right now, dude. That's not cool. That is not cool. That also fits within, we're, we're starting to talk about moral theology in my classes, and so that actually fits one of the scenarios because we talk about, you know, what is a venial sin? What is a mortal sin? Mortal sin is when you do something wrong, but you know that you do it. This would be the prime example of it not being a mortal sin because you had no idea that it was there. And all the culpability is going to be on your friend. And I would actually even question <laughs> question their friendship at that point because that's messed up. Uh, Mr. Roy, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Father, because brother, hail to you, Father. Listening in the background as I work on classwork. Good luck with that. It's hard for me to do classwork and to do grading when I'm, I'm listening to anything with lyrics or with words because my brain typically goes to either sing those words or to listen to those words. So I, I can listen to anything uh, musical, but uh, as far as anything with lyrics, not so much. Let us see. Oh, and I just realized I need to add this real quick to my chat again. Sorry about that. Chats were not being popped up there. Boom. There we go. There we go. Listening in the background as a working class work. There you are, Father. Marshall J2, what's going on? Odin, glad I arrived at your live stream. I am glad that you're here as well. Appreciate it. Kingane Rumsky over on Rumble says, Your video hasn't posted to Rumble yet, so I held my nose and watched it on YouTube. Thanks for the shout out. Am I famous now? I guess you are. Weird that it didn't post on YouTube because there's no reason why it, it should not have. It, it's set to automatically go over there. Anyway, uh, Abomination, what's going on, brother? Over on Odyssey says, that PR firm is taking one to the dome by the wily popular wrestling move, the Bunker Buster. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Welcome back. Let's see. There's Twirly Wolf. Welcome back to the chat. Glad to have you here. Let's see. Laura says, I'm ordering Chinese and I'm indecisive. What is your go-to Chinese meal? Uh, General Chow's chicken. Always General Chow's chicken. And I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it's the one where it's, uh, was it T-S-O? I think is the way you pronounce General Chow's chicken. Something like that. Whatever it is, it is delicious, it is delightful, and I love it. All right. Let's see. GMucky76 in the chat. What is going on, brother? Welcome back. We got Bruce. What's up, Bruce? Welcome back. I am JMS at 659 said, when Avengers King Dynasty finally comes out, do you think that it'll surpass Avengers Endgame level money? Absolutely not. There's just no chance. Endgame was the box office peak for the MCU. Just go ahead and look to all of the films that have come out since then. Right? You, you had the best performance coming from Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. And when you actually look at the fact that the film cost $100 million more than what was originally thought... That movie barely made profit 
and according to some metrics, may not have even made profit. So you're talking about a franchise that has been either barely profitable, but most likely not, especially with the more recent releases, right? When you go to um, Ant-Man Quantum Mania, 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 that film, financial failure. Um, when you, when you, again, look to the other films that came out this summer, it was very, very, uh, unimpressive, especially when you remember how much ticket prices have changed just over the last two years alone. I I mean, we're not even talking here about comparable numbers, you know, inflation wise, we're talking about so much lower millions of tickets lower, you know, it's just, it's incredible. It honestly is incredible. So yeah, there's just there again, (laughs) it's a bit of a joke. There's no way Kang Dynasty is going to be able to past i i would say you know obviously when it comes to avengers when it comes to the mcu i never want to throw out the possibility of a billion dollars right just off the bat because again you never know when you do have that disney machine but what we've seen is that the disney machine has not been able to actually perform it's not been able to perform more recently with almost any of its films if you look to the kids movies they've been releasing those have all been flops for years now crazy that we're in multiple years now when you look to the MCU, it's been on the downward spiral, and now it's losing money. I, I think that what we've now found ourselves in is a situation where we are likely going to start to see MCU films also consistently lose money. It would not surprise me whatsoever. Let's see. Sherry Allen over on YouTube. What is going on, Sherry Allen? Thank you very much for being here. Marshall J, who's a member, says, glad you and your family are doing well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Orange Hour Views says, whoa, missed that bad joke. Sorry, no problem at all, brother. Yeah, uh, I so Jacobite Wiseman, I had to time you out earlier because, yeah, I understood that you were trying to tell a joke, but that was just not a good taste. Uh, Sahil, what's going on? Says, I've seen London buses with Sound of Freedom posters. That's amazing. That That is phenomenal. Yeah, we're going to talk about what we are seeing when it comes to the box office for Sound of Freedom. Also for what Angel Studios has, has planned because... Angel Studios has got a couple of projects um, that I'm actually pretty stoked for. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they're going to have the same experience as they had. Because here's the thing. Sound of Freedom is a special movie, right? Not only because of the story of how it was made, but also its subject matter. It's a very important movie. It, It exposes something that not enough people are talking about. And it's something where when we talk especially about morality in my classes... One of the subjects that always gets brought up because uh, I, I have my kids do morality projects where they pick between a, a myriad of of moral issues and one of them is on human trafficking. And so I always love when students pick that one because it makes them actually do research and realize, oh my goodness, I did not know. So many people do not know the extent to which trafficking happens in our world and especially with Sound of Freedom focusing on how, how it impacts children. And how it's it's so much more and so much beyond and so much more disgusting than just your typical trafficking when it comes to kids. It's awful. And that's what that movie exposes. And I think that's why you're seeing so much support for that movie. I don't think you're going to see the same kind of support with the other films they have set to be released. But it will be interesting to see where they do. Um, you know, Because they've obviously gotten a lot of people to support them because of Sound of Freedom. Because of, of their support. Uh, let's see. The K-Man. What's going on? The K-Man. How's it going? Howdy, y'all. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope you're doing well, K-Man. Thank you very much for being here. We got Grumako Thraka. What's going on? Thank you very much for that super sticker with the mug of... I say this every time. I don't know if that's supposed to be a mug of wine because that's sure what it looks like. But anyway, thank you for that. I appreciate it. 
Uh, Ambrose Chamberpot, what is going on? Hail to you. GK Design, what's going on? Great Wuda, hail to you. Thanks for being a member here on the channel. You were awesome. We got Kimberly G, Killian Shadowcat. What's going on, Kimberly G? Also a member on the channel. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Let's see. Over on Odyssey, we've got some tags. So let me go ahead and go back. Let's see. General Chow's chicken is always a gamble for me. Sometimes it's in the form of slightly rubbery and tart chicken. Other times it's in the form of literal magma. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I've... I have never had an issue, personally. Now, I have not had General Chow's chicken in a very long time. But that was always my go-to. Um, and it, it always served me very well. I am also someone that grew up and still am to a very uh, strong extent a very picky eater. And so that was one that I was able to go to whenever we had to order out with friends or we went out to a restaurant with friends. Like for me, you know, I know that Jeremy gets a lot of uh, flack for this from Geeks and Gamers. I know that he gets flack because of ordering, you know, ordering off the kids menu and, and liking those kind of things. Well, th that was me for a very long time. And in a certain extent, I still am. I, I do love a good burger, right? But my palate has definitely ex expanded quite a bit. Much of it, I would say, thanks to my wife. Shout out to uh, the lady Freya for 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 that. But um, that was one of those early things that I was able to kind of discover of, oh, okay, I, I do like this. It is good. And uh, overall, I enjoy it. Let's see. Jacques Lesuave. What's going on, Jacques? I feel like it's been a while. Jacques, thanks for being back over on Odyssey. Says, if Disney wants to make a comeback seeing a profit, they need to add Barbie as an Avenger. Easy billion. That would be interesting, though, because remember, one of the reasons why Barbie did well was because its demographic, right, the audience that it was going out to reach, it was able to motivate. When it comes to Barbie's audience versus Avengers audience, very different audiences, right? You're talking about a predominantly female audience for Barbie with the vast majority of those people coming from Gen Z and Gen Y, right? That, those, those, again, that's the primary audience there, whereas for Avengers, you're talking about primarily men, primarily male-dominated audience with the vast majority of that coming from, you know, coming from those similar areas, right? But let's just say there's a lot more numbers-wise in general, uh, Gen Z and Gen Y, men going to see movies more consistently than you would see with uh, Gen Z, Gen Y women. And we can kind of see the proof of that because Barbie is the only film that has had this kind of success with this specific kind of audience. So it shows that there is clearly a, a drought of content for that audience. But anyway, yeah, Jacques, thank you very much, man, for, for hanging out over there today. All right, head back over into the YouTube chat. We'll come up, we'll catch up with a few more, and then we'll jump into our stories tonight. Let's see. Uh, Jacob Weisman says, Nefarious is a thriller rather than a horror. Yeah, exactly, which is why I am definitely much more fond of it. Uh, Great Wuda, who's a member, says, My go-to Chinese food is half chicken and pork fried rice. I don't know, I've never really been a huge fan of chicken fried rice. It's just never been my thing. I think it's ultimately because usually the rice that I get is not to my liking. I'm very, very picky with rice. It needs to be very soft. Um, and so if there's even, obviously I don't mean like crunchy, but if there's even a hint that it just not being like buttery soft, I have no desire to see it. It really stems from the fact that most of the rice I ever ate up until like the last, you know, five, six years, maybe would have been only coming from Popeye's poppies, uh, poppies, Popeye's, uh, Cajun rice. Ugh! if you've never had it, it's delicious. Um, not good for you at all, but delicious. Nonetheless, great. has a little bit of kick to it. And the reason why is because of how soft it is. So that's why anytime someone tried to make, like I remember one time my mom tried to make it cause she knew how much I loved it, but she obviously didn't want me to have to, you know, 
have to go to Popeye's to go get it. She tried making it for me once and I was like, ah, it's just not good. It's just not. And it ultimately came down to that texture of the rice. There's just something again about what they were able to do with that. Yes. Uh, I see father just put this in the live chat. Odin is a rice snob. I, I will take that. I will accept that. <laughs> I will absolutely accept that as something that is true about me. Um, I am a, I am absolutely a rice snob because any other rice I, I have very little interest in Dr drives my family crazy. Berg Flicka, what is going on? Member on the channel. Thank you again for gifting those memberships last week. Let's see. Marshall J, whose member says, I finally saw The Little Mermaid on Disney+, and to me, it's very bland. Don't see or feel the magic like I do with the original, but uh, Haley Bailey, uh, I, can, I can never know if it's Halle Bailey or Haley Bailey, D did a good job, but actor played the father not good at all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is a great actor. I, I think that really comes down to the direction and the script. Because, yeah, it was definitely not a good performance from him. But I don't think that was his fault. I think that it was the writing and the direction. And I, I'm, I'm the same age. I know that not everyone agrees with this. I know that there were a lot of people who said, oh, you know, the actress that played Ariel, right? Haley Bailey, that she was a terrible actress. And for me, I'm like, look, she was not a great actress. But the shade, the, the, to say that she's terrible, like, to me, that's, that's a statement of fact. That's, a, that's an objective statement to say that someone is actually terrible. So to me, it's like, wait, are you trying to say that she's terrible within the same vein that Tommy Wiseau is a terrible actor? Because that is a great example of what bad acting looks like, right? Now, again, you don't have to like her style. You don't have to like her performance. But ultimately, did she do the part just fine? Yes. Now, should we be expecting just fine from our performers? No. I think that that's kind of where you can get in to say, all right, this is where we need to be focusing on. But I think, I think way too many people were kind of going after something that really just, again, couldn't really be backed up. See, Ambrose says, The Nun 2 is based on a true story of someone writing The Nun to <laughs> screenplay. Ah, gotcha. Let's see. Nick Brown, what is going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you back in the chat. Thanks for tagging. Let's see. Father Christopher Miller says, A Big Fat Wedding 3 reminds me I need to see Tango Shalom, produced by them, about an observant Jew in a tango contest. Interesting. <laughs> Don't know exactly what to make of that. Uh, let's see. Eagle Rider, what's going on, Rosetta Allen? Rosetta in the chat says, My Big Fat Greek Wedding was cute. Zero interest in any of the sequels. Yeah, same here. Right? The first one absolutely was cute. It was funny. And clearly because of how much money it ended up making with, it was a $5 million budget. Um, if memory serves, and they made over $350 million. It's a very good return on investment. And then they tried to do something, and I remember there was there was a fair amount of time between the first and second one, from what I remember. And I remember when the sequel was being announced, and the first sequel was being announced, I was like, why? Why at this point would you do this, other than, well, we made a lot of money with this one, let's see if we can make a lot of money again. And then it ended up not doing much of anything. It made a third Less than a third of the entire box office of the first movie. That's bad. It's really bad. All right, Laura at 706, tag to say, I'm shocked, shocked to tell you to hear that Rotten Tomatoes isn't legit. Well, thank you very much for that segue, uh, <laughs> Laura, my mother major general, because that's the first thing that we're going to be talking about today is indeed the Rotten Tomatoes story. So again, I have a lot of other stuff to add to this story. But let's go ahead and go with what we have first from Bounding into Comics. Good friends over at Bounding into Comics with the story. News report reveals Hollywood PR firm Bunker 15 paid for positive reviews to manipulate the Rotten Tomatoes scores of bad movies. And that is plural. So from Spencer Bakuli 
says, in an apparent confirmation of what many audience members have suspected for some time, a new report has revealed that Hollywood has been contracting the services of at least one public relations company to help save the Rotten Tomatoes scores of various terrible movies by paying critics for more positive reviews. Color me shocked. This apparent operation was first brought to light on September 6th, courtesy of an extensive deep dive into the situation provided by Vulture's Lane Brown and Luke Winky. Luke Winky. Hmm. Interesting. I, I will say, I'm very surprised to see that from Vulture, though. Um, shout out to Matthew Kadish, Salty Nerd Podcast crew. Uh, we had a really great show um, earlier today, and this was one of the stories that we talked about. And one of the things brought up was was this, you know, this Vulture deep dive. What's interesting, though, of course, is that as much as it is uncovering this this nonsense going on behind the scenes with Rotten Tomatoes, it also is still playing cover, right? It's still playing cover for them, right? Trying to say, well, you know, you know, basically we're great. And at one point, there's a comment made about how Rotten Tomatoes really made a mistake when they decided to open up the ability for people to become critics that are not really critics, essentially, is what is what was said. What's interesting, though, about that first is that that was done specifically because they wanted it to make they wanted Rotten Tomatoes when they opened it up to more people to be critics, Rotten Tomatoes certified critics was to make it, quote, more diverse. So it's interesting that a writer from Vulture is actually criticizing, you know, Rotten Tomatoes move to make it, quote, more diverse to get, you know, more women, uh, you know, uh, more women critics to be counting on Rotten Tomatoes because before that move happened, there weren't a whole lot. Um, also to try to get obviously more points of view from different cultural backgrounds, all this other stuff, right? You know, clear identity politics driven narrative stuff, right? Not actually trying to get the people who are actually the best of the best or people who that actually know their stuff, but instead just trying to go with as many people as possible, right? But it's interesting because Vulture basically is playing the snob in that to say, oh, they, they basically, they let these plebs in, they let these plebs in. And they, they've diluted the score. They've diluted our, our precious score of which we were the arbiters of all things that were true. And it's like, look, I appreciate you calling out Rotten Tomatoes. At the same time, you know, seriously, just 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 shut your mouth. Because <laughs> if you're honestly going to try to argue that you are just perfect in all of this, that you are just uh, a solid uh, organization and, and the pinnacle of all things that are true and good in this world, I got news for you. And it's not good news. It is not good news at all. Anyway, goes on. Uh, detailing their activities, Brown and Winky. Actually, no, first off, let's go before then. According to the Paris Report, a the PR company in question, Bunker 15, whose official website boasts that the company, quote, offers innovative media planning, editorial support, social media advertisement, and automated promotional engineering to help your film reach top critics and influencers, end quote has regularly been hired by a number of small to medium-sized films to save their reputations by artificially boosting their respective Rotten Tomatoes scores. Now, what's interesting about that is that even if you have a small or medium-sized film, talking there about budgets, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of studios, I should say, who are going to be the primary funders of said projects. So even if the movie is being produced by a smaller company, if the distribution rights are being picked up by the likes of Disney through 20th Century Fox, rather 20th Century Studios at this point, or one of the myriad of other companies, guess what? That means that you have major corporations and massive studios that are also involved in this scheme. And it also raises the question, if this is happening for the smaller and medium-sized films, what's to say and how can it honestly be said 
it's not happening for the big ones either. It goes on. The most damning aspect of this operation, however, is that the is that per several critics, the PR firm pays them $50 or more for each review, a practice which violates the site's own expectation that both applicants and approved critics to honor journalistic integrity and observe ethical behavior. Well, you all know how I feel about, you know, so-called journalist and so-called ethical behavior. It's a it's a bit of a, you know, contradiction in terms there. When pressed by the outlet on this latter accusation, the review aggregator elaborated on their above rule and affirmed they do not allow reviewing based on a financial incentive, end quote. Now, here's where I have a huge issue, because here's the thing. Rod Tomatoes has been corrupt for a very, very long time, right? Let's just go back to kind of before things started to really go downhill, right? Which is really about five years ago. Once The Last Jedi came out, that's when we saw like the first massive wave of changes and of behavior coming from Rotten Tomatoes that ultimately led to to their demise, in my opinion, right? So prior to that, prior to The Last Jedi, how does Rotten Tomatoes actually work? Well, when you typically go to a movie site, when you typically look at a movie trailer or a poster, especially when you're talking about the Blu-ray, the physical media, or just any general promotional materials, what do you tend to see, especially after a film has come out? You know, oh, this film is certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes, right? Or, or tomato approved. I've always seen those Blu-rays. If you've seen the Blu-rays where they'll actually have the Rotten Tomatoes approved sticker or logo on there, it's a pretty big deal, right? And there are still, even today, right? It was especially bigger years ago, but it's still big today amongst normies, right? People will go to Rotten Tomatoes to see if there is anything good. People will sometimes allow, I know that this absolutely affected me when I was younger too, going through high school and even early college, I would look at Rotten Tomatoes to find out, hey, what's good? What movies are good? What movies are moving the needle? And before all this nonsense happened, you could typically find out what movies were worth going to see if you understood a general premise. So the general premise is before the changes took place, all right? And we'll get into what those changes were. Before the changes went into place, you could look at Rotten Tomatoes and you could look at the critic score and then the audience score. There was just one of each, really. So you would look at both of those scores, and let's say you had a high critic score, but then you had a low audience score. That could tell me, and that's what this is what it would tell me. I would say, okay, this movie, because the critic score is pretty high, okay, must be a pretty good or at least well-made movie, but clearly audiences are not enjoying it. So this is not a crowd pleaser. This is not going to be an entertaining film. And guess what? There are films that I find entertaining that most audiences probably would not. Because, again, entertainment is typically something that is a much more, um, when we talk about movies like this, right, the, the, I think one of the best examples or one of the best explanations of this would be from actually Martin Scorsese when he described the Marvel films, the MCU films, as being like a roller coaster, right? Where it's, again, all about the entertainment, but there may not be a lot of actual, you know, uh, depth to the story or depth to the movie itself, right? It's mostly an exterior. It's mostly a an external uh, facade, as it were. And so when you would look at a score like that, high critics, low audiences, that's what you could gather. Meaning I went in saying there's a 50-50 chance I'll like this movie because there were movies that I would see that had very high critic scores, very low audience scores, and I'd come out of it saying, all right, this is just one of those films that critics are just like, you know, stiffing their own <laughs> stiffing their own farts uh, to, to try to make themselves feel better about themselves, right? So that, that would happen. But there would be occasions, too, where I'd say, hey, I'm actually on the side of the critics on this one. Um, and then if you saw the opposite of that, if you saw a low critic score but a high audience score, 
then that usually would say to me, okay, probably not a good movie, but at least it'll be entertaining. In those ways, I simply think of like the Fast and Furious movies, where it's like, yeah, they're not great films, they're not great movies in general, but hey, one through six, very entertaining. After that, not so much. Interesting how the Rotten Tomatoes score for the Fast and Furious franchise also has <laughs> fluctuated over, over time and over the years. And if you had a film, then the last category would be if you had a film where he had a high audience score and a high critic score, that usually would tell you, okay, this is probably a film that you should go see because critics love it. Audiences love it. That's great. Then Rotten Tomatoes stepped in it. All right. Because then we get to the era of The Last Jedi. And what happened was all of a sudden, right? And obviously I know that this accusation had existed prior to this, but this is really when it started to be kind of picked up and something started to be done about it, or at the very least, a lot of us started to actually cover that this was being done. You had something happen where, quote-unquote, review bombing was taking place for said movie, in this case, The Last Jedi. Um, and even before then, actually, it was uh, it, it was actually between. It was, it was between The Last Jedi and Solo. and Because that's when I started covering this stuff was actually with Solo. That's when my YouTube channel actually started. And so, all of a sudden, there were the reports that Rotten Tomatoes was starting to finagle their numbers, was starting to delete reviews, was starting to try to, quote, crack down on uh, review bombing. We saw this come to a head, though, with a little film called Captain Marvel. And this is when things got really bad. Because when Captain Marvel came out, you actually saw them mass deleting reviews. And I remember I had a live stream going up that had simply a recording of the Rotten Tomatoes page refreshing every 30 seconds to 60 seconds. And what it showcased was that every so many minutes, the number of total reviews started to plummet. And the total score for the movie, for the audience score, started to incrementally rise. So basically, we caught Ron Tomatoes in the act of deleting reviews to boost up the audience score for a movie. So that is when we really started to get to a point where, okay, now we have the actual proof. I believe at the time, one of the excuses that was given was, oh, we had some issues going on behind the scenes. There were some uh, coding errors or whatever. It's like, bro, spare me, right? And then from there, we all know what happened, right? From there, all of a sudden, you don't have long after that. And it was like another, it was either another MCU movie or another Disney movie where something similar happened. And what do they do? They changed their entire system. So because of these massive studios and because of these massive projects that for some reason they wanted to protect from the so-called review bombing, then Rotten Tomatoes, right, already deleting reviews, already trying to control the number in that way. Then all of a sudden, they changed their system to have a, quote, verified audience. And what that means is that through Fandango, because Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes, same company, if you buy your ticket through Fandango and it's connected to your Fandango account on Rotten Tomatoes, it means that when you post a review, it goes under what's called a verified audience. Now, in concept, it's a decent idea because what that means is that, hey, these are people that I can confirm have actually bought a ticket. The problem with that, though, is that requires me to trust them. And when we've already caught them deleting, mass deleting reviews to boost the score for a movie, why should I then trust that your so-called verified score is at all legitimate? You, you've given me no reason to trust that. Add to that the fact that your already broken system is already inherently flawed. Because some people don't realize this either. The Rotten Tomatoes score as we know it, right? When you see something is called 64% uh, rotten, or actually, no, that would be considered fresh, according to Rotten Tomatoes. That's another issue, too. 
But let me actually bring this up right now because I've got a little bit of kind of to show you just how broken Rotten Tomato system actually is. All right. Let's go to Rings of Power. Y'all remember Rings of Power? Lord knows I, I don't. I, I've actually forgotten about most of it because of how bad it was. So Rings of Power, season one. All right. This is the first episode of season one. All right. 83% fresh. Now, when you do look to the entire series, the entire series has a fresh rating in the 80s range, around right, 83, 84% or so, all right? Now, here's what the interesting part is, right? What does that 83% mean? When you are posting, or let's say you are a, a Rotten Tomatoes certified critic. When you are posting your, your review, you are then given the ability to choose between one of two options, either a button that says fresh or a button that says rotten. So it's not that you gave a review and then gave the film a five out of 10, and then that automatically is going to count as a rotten score or a fresh score, right? You actually are actively choosing. So you can give a terrible review for a movie or for a show, and you can then still click on the fresh rating. So that's again how broken this is because, and I, and I, I remember showing this back, this was a couple years ago now, I think the video is probably still up there. I actually go through individual reviewers, like actual reviewers, and show you they gave the same score because not all reviewers give a score. Some reviewers just give words, and then they will choose either the fresh or rotten rating at the end of the day. But some people, especially those who work on you know bigger sites, they'll give a score like a 5 out of 10 or a 4 out of 10 or a 3 out of 5 or a 2 out of 4, right? Different people use different scores. But the same reviewer, I found this multiple times, they would have given a two out of four for two movies, and yet one of them they would have marked, because we can look this up, they would have marked fresh for, whereas the other film they would have marked rotten for. And that is the reason why it's a complete and utter facade. It's, it's why it's a complete and utter crock. Because what that means is that someone can give an a, a, a actual honest review. They can give a very critical review and say that it's dog crap, and yet they can then click on that fresh rating. So even before all the stuff with Captain Marvel, The Last Jedi, all that stuff, even before then, the score was already not looking very reliable, all right? Then you add to it this, all right? Now let's go to the TV side of it, because with TV shows, guess what? You're given the rating for the season, but if you go by individual episode, oh boy, does it actually reveal how much of a house of cards this actually is, right? Because guess what? All of these reviews all get added together to make up the culmination of the entire show. Meaning that every single reviewer for episodes 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. gets all added together, right? All the percentages get added together. Um, you know, All of the actual fresh scores, rotten scores get added together. And then you get the actual you know, season, the actual season or series rating. All right? Now, here's how much of a crock this is. Look at this number here. 83% positive for the first episode. One, that's ridiculous <laughs> if you've actually seen the show. But here's the big thing. Look at how many reviews. Now, these are critics. 162 reviews posted for the first episode of Rings of Power. Now, I can tell you this because I actually looked this up on the Salty Saturday uh, podcast earlier. Episode 2 had around 150 reviews for the show. All right? Okay. That's a lot of people, right? 160, 150. But even then you're saying, "Wait, why are not every single member of that 160 also leaving a review for the second episode?" It gets worse though. Let's go ahead and show you where this all ends. So 162 reviews, first episode, 
All right, 151 episodes uh, for for episode two, right? So we got 83% positive, 85% positive. So that means 85% of the 151 clicked on fresh. Uh, 83% of the 162 clicked on fresh. Look at where it ended, everybody. So remember you had 160 people giving reviews for the first episode and 150 people giving reviews for the second. Again, these are all critics, certified critics around tomatoes, people. 26 Yes, you're looking at that correctly. 26. The reason why you see such a massive drop-off is because access media shills are typically given the first couple of episodes to a series. The vast majority of them do not actually continue to watch said series. So what that means is that the reviews that we get, the scores that we get, are inflated. Because you have all of these people giving these reviews for the first two episodes, and then you have the vast majority of them not continuing to watch the entirety of the series, and yet their scores for, for episode one and two will count towards the entire season. So when you look at the series score, you're like, wait a minute, that looks like it's pretty fresh. But, but this again is how broken this system actually is. So again, it's been broken for a very long time, but man, oh man, when the news came out about this becoming a, rather, the, the fact that there are people getting paid for their reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, not only is that not surprising, it's not even, like, the worst thing about the site. The, the, the site is already, and has been already, so much more broken than that. All right. Let's go ahead and get back into the chat to catch up with y'all's comments. Again, appreciate y'all for being here. Let's see. Abomination hanging out over on... Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. On Odyssey, Bonation says, just order off the non-kids menu. You get twice the amount of burger and twice the amount of pink slime filler. Or you can get like 40 chicken nuggets. Kids be jealous with their six-piece meal. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. If I order a burger, I'm never ordering off the kids menu because yeah, I, I want the <laughs> I want the real burger. You see, Jacques Suave tagged to say, was it Netflix that changed their rating system for an Amy Schumer special? And let's not forget IMDb. They all massage the numbers in one way or another. Yeah, it was for an Amy Schumer special that they decided to drop the whole, like, uh, they used to have a rating system, basically, and then they decided to get rid of it. Um, and the, the word was, well, they were already going to get rid of it, and this was like a final straw kind of thing. Which, again, just complete uh, nonsense. And yeah, IMDb is a joke, too. I remember I tried posting a review on IMDb, I think it was for Barbie actually, and it got rejected. Yes, it got rejected. So I, I couldn't post my score because they apparently didn't like the fact that I was critical of the movie. I didn't use any foul language. I did not use any cursing. I I really was, again, just quite honest in my criticism and yet it wasn't enough. So yeah, that's why I tend to go, and I know it's not perfect. There's no perfect system. That's why I tend to go with, as far as ma as far as major rating sites, I go with Metacritic, and the reason why is because Metacritic is the only one where the score you're seeing actually has value to it because it is going to be the average score of anyone whose reviews posted there. So, for instance, if a critic gives a movie a B and then another critic gives the film a 7 out of 10, they actually, and you can look this up because they're very transparent about it, they'll tell you, hey, a B has this numerical value a 7 out of 10 has this numerical value. Here's what the average score would be. So as Rotten Tomatoes has the actual critic clicking on a fresh or rotten button, and then you get this completely 
just bloated score, right? You'll see 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. That means 96% of the critics that posted their reviews clicked on the fresh button. But if you actually break down the numbers, you'll, you can actually find in there of the people that have scores, what the average score is. Typically, it's around 10 to 15 points less than the so-called Rotten Tomatoes score. So meaning of the people that posted actual numerical value reviews, a movie that's at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes actually has a rating of about 8.6 typically. Maybe even a little more or a little less. But usually there's quite a vast difference between those two. With Metacritic, at the very least, at the very least, you get one, mostly unrestricted user reviews. And then two, of the critic reviews, you actually do get the, uh, you get a much more reliable numerical value given. Let's see. K-Man says, only movie I was going to see this weekend was Gran Turismo, but the closest theater to me already took it out. Yeah, it's not doing well, unfortunately, and I'm sad that you were not able to see it. It was it was very, very good. All right, chat jumped on me like it always does. 708 in the chat, 752. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been this far behind in quite a long time, but uh, anyway. Super Anime Gamer, hey, what's up, my dude? What's going on, Super? Eagle Rider says, as a Christian, we are called to go to the sinners and be a light unto them. Yep. Uh, let's see, Kiki Ramski, Ty say, it's literally in their name, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Let's see, over on Odyssey, let's see, Abomination says, I think as made a review for Lord of the Rings of, uh, of Amazon, the Lord of Amazon, the Rings of Prime show, and they threatened to delete his account or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember when he had mentioned that. And uh, yeah, they, they threatened to delete his Amazon account, I believe. So it, yeah, it's just... It, it honestly, it's so insane, the the lengths and the breaths that they will go to to do this nonsense. Let's see. Laura Zevin says, as the Bible doesn't say only to preach to people who agree with you, it encourages Christians to go everywhere and spread the faith. Exactly. Amen. Jacobite says, would you watch a King of the Hill movie? Probably not. I, I was never a huge fan of the King of the Hill. I think, it, I think some of it's funny, but not really my cup of tea um, overall. Father Miller, who is, of course, member. Chaplain Channel says, it's why I, as a priest, am not ashamed of going to these events. I love the friendships I've made and look forward to seeing everybody. Great guy like Man of War isn't Christian, but he's a heck of a guy. Exactly. Exactly. And again, how can you possibly expect to ever be able to, to evangelize? And remember, with evangelization, we don't just mean simply you're reading the gospel to somebody. It means that you are being the light of Christ to them. I think it's a quote that's often attributed to St. Francis who says, you know, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I think that that is something that, of course, is is very much rooted in Christ, right? That simply to build that relationship, that does not mean that you ignore the, the sins. That does not mean that you do not, you do not ignore the, the brokenness that could be there. But the only way you could ever even hope to reach somebody is through, is through, some, is through relationship. Let's see. Father says, let alone every time the C word is mentioned. Oh, yes, that, that word. That word is definitely a, a bit great. Luckily, that is not mentioned nearly as much as, as some of the other words on there. Let's see. Amber says, I'm perfectly imperfect. Eagle Rider, internet Christians are the ones stalking me, telling me I deserve uh, views. Uh, makes me lose the moral. They don't know. Yeah, they don't. They really don't. Uh, Fidget Channel Kenny Lee says, hello, Odin. How is your weekend going? It's going fine so far. Going fine so far. Laura says, my daughter had fall issues falling asleep, but I never knew it was a symptom of ADD. 
Uh, and again, it's it's not it's not something that's only exclusive to that, but it is one of those symptoms too because basically it's um, you can't turn your brain off in certain instances, right? So you know, for me, once I'm asleep, I'm asleep. But it does take me a long. I, I take I do I do use melatonin to help me try to fall asleep, and it ultimately comes down to the fact that my, I can't shut my brain off. My brain is is always just too active um, to be able to fall asleep. See, Eagle Rider says straight ADHD can be tracked in brain waves and reactions, stimulants. Yeah, uh, there's also other tests um, that that can be done as well. There's um, behavioral tests. I, I remember I took it was one of these. Uh, behavioral test that was on it wasn't a, it wasn't like a computer it was a um, system where basically it kept track of your reaction time and that's something where it makes a lot of sense um, that if certain things are happening that your reaction time gets impacted because of that because your mind can't stay focused see Ambrose says pot brownies don't be don't get cosby yeah orange chat be careful man <laughs> be careful uh ej paladin what's going on brother See, Father says, speaking of morals, one of my students asked me, what if the priest accidentally used vodka for a baptism? What if the altar boy accidentally used bleach? Oh, goodness. Wow. That's about as extreme as you can get in those examples. But then ultimately you have to get back to, yeah, well, form and matter. (laughs) So if the matter isn't present, you don't have a sacrament. Uh, See, Father says, I said the odds of that happening are like X finding a girl saying yes to him. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, oh, that's a good one. That That is a really, really good one. Let's see. Orange Hat says, ADHD, ADD, don't just harm your attention span. Makes it hard to focus. Your mind is a highway and it's going at a million miles per hour. That can make it hard to fall asleep. Happened to me for years. Yep, exactly right. Um, And, and again, there is an element. And, and again, obviously, just l- let me finish my statement when I say this. There is an element of choice. Um, And what I mean by that is you obviously are going to still struggle with attention uh, and, and with being able to stay focused and keep your attention. But there are some symptoms, especially when you're younger, where you do have some choice in it. So I remember when I was younger, I had a friend and she would use, she would basically use her ADD as an excuse, right? And I'm sure we all know people that are like this, right? She would say, well, I can't help it because I have ADD. And here I am, and like I, I've been going to therapy for years, right? I have been going through and doing it the right way. Whereas you don't just get, you don't, if a doctor is just going to give you medication, that's it. No, you need a new doctor at that point, right? Only, only someone that's going to say, again, medication is going to help you in the short term. Long term, though, you need actual therapy. You need to actually work on, um, you need to actually work on a plan. You need to work on uh, different tools that you can use to try to, to help you stay focused so that you're not just relying on, on the medication basically. So I remember when she said that, I, I remember calling her out saying that's preposterous, right? You have control of your actions. It's not easy. It's going to be more difficult compared to someone that doesn't have it, but to try to say you have no control over your actions, right? Again, we're not talking up here, but your actions like that, that's one of those things that drove me nuts when people would try to say that it's like, no, 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 no. ADD specifically, that's just not something that's going to be typically a part of that, right? Um, And so it was, again, stuff like that 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 made me upset. See, Amber says, I fall asleep to audiobooks that I've, uh, let's see, I fall asleep to audiobooks that I've heard before and never to this stream. Hey, there you go. I try to keep things uplifted. EJ Paladin, been a while since I caught one of these live at Deus Vault, sir. Yes, absolutely. God wills it. Marshall J2, did you hear Disney offer $1.99 for Disney Plus for new subscribers if they subscribe? No, I did not. Can't say I'm surprised, though. It is interesting how 
they've recently increased their charges for current subscribers, and yet they're offering that. <laughs> Again, I'm not surprised, and yet I am. JKBX76, Dune Part 2 being pushed out. I'm done watching movies for calendar 2023. Yeah, I, I understand. I would say, I don't know if you have JKD Buck, but look up the trailer for Dumb Money. Again, it may not be a cup of tea, but uh, it looks cool to me. General Wingster, only I can make bad jokes and sometimes good ones. Exactly right, General. Uh, Laura at 722, speaking of jokes, I got mugged by, <laughs> I got mugged by six dwarves. Not happy. <laughs> Was that a joke? I feel like that was that on FNT yesterday. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that one more recently. <laughs> Jacob Pite Wiseman. Monarchist movies have uh, fart jokes, belching. If you remember, it's a wonderful life movie. When the main character comes home from Miss... Uh, yeah, okay. I don't see how that's relevant to the joke you said. <laughs> it's very, very different. Jonah Wingster. People are also surprised that slavery is worse today than hard 50 years ago. Yeah, that's a big one. That That's one that I think... And that's the one thing, too, that some of these kids, when they're looking into it, because, you know, basically it's this thing where in history, kids know all about slavery, right? That, that's something that they are almost overtaught. And I'm, I'm not trying to say <laughs> that it's not bad, because clearly it is, right? But when your knowledge of slavery is only stuck in the past, at the expense of learning about it today, that is where I see the problem. Because then you're less likely to believe it's still happening today. And then you're also less likely to believe some of the insanity of stuff that's happening today. So there has to be that balance, right? It was like, absolutely. We need to know our past so that we don't make the same mistakes. We need to understand the mindset and the logic behind those evil actions. But we also need to recognize that a lot of that evil still exists today. We're just not as willing to admit it or to talk about it. So... Let's see. Ambrose says, I grew up extremely picky eater due to autism. I changed big time. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, I, yeah, I, I've, I've heard so many accounts of, of diet being a huge factor when it comes to a lot of people who, who struggle with autism. General Wingster, it's true. Odin would never eat my cooking. He got better. <laughs> General Wingster. For those that are not aware, Wingster likes to claim he is actually a secret account for my wife, the Lady Freya, I can confirm that is not true. Um, however, I find it hilarious every time he does it. Sherry Allen tried to say, I'm good. Not much is happening here. Took my dad out for coffee for a belated Father's Day. Hey, that's awesome. Happy belated Father's Day. Fox One, what is going on? Father Miller says, Odin is a rice snob. Yes, there it is. Ambrose, uh, Popeye's Cajun rice is one of the finest quality. It is great. It is wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. Um, many things at Popeye's are wonderful. Uh, my go-to meal, since you brought up Popeye's, I brought up Popeye's first, but since you, uh, repeated it, my go-to meal is either the three or five piece, depends on how hungry I am, three or five piece spicy tenders, gotta be spicy, with a side of Cajun rice and a, uh, of course, gotta get that biscuit, right? And then for a drink, typically like a, a fruit punch or something like that. And if they don't have the spicy, if they don't have the Cajun rice, which always breaks my heart. Then I go with their their mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, that that just oh, delicious, so good. There used to actually be such a thing as a super Popeyes, and there was one that was near my house growing up. And I remember they actually it was weird. They had um, extra things that no other Popeyes had, and uh, oh, I loved it. It was so good. 
I forget exactly what they offered that was different, but I remember being like, we got to go to the Super Popeyes. <laughs> it's going to be the best thing ever. Father says they were uh, also, there was also a big fat Greek wedding TV show that was absolute dingo kidneys. Ah, I appreciate that expression there. And yeah, I, 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 when I was looking into the numbers for the box office preview for the weekend, I remember seeing that saying, I didn't even know they made a show. Scott McKenzie, what's going on, brother? Thank you very much for being a member at the Citizen of Asgard level for 14 months. Appreciate you. Ben Dowdy, thank you very much also for being a member for five months at the Citizen of Asgard level. You're awesome. Jenna Wingster, who's a member, says, Don't worry, Odin. Your check is in the mail. Just send me the list of your planned giveaways. We have to make this look authentic. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't typically plan them. The, the, the only planning I typically do is for anyone who's the key of the Bifrost level and above over on the Discord channel where there's a special giveaways channel over there. And that's the only one where I plan because I, I have a bunch of, I have a lot of um, Criterion Collection films, but specifically Kurosawa films that will be in giveaways. Actually, right now, there is currently a giveaway that's going to end soon. There is this beautiful 4K edition, Criterion Collection edition of The Princess Bride. It's got a little book in there with a couple of essays um, amongst a plethora of other things. And uh, so I got two copies of that that I'll be giving away in the next day or so. Jenna Wingster says, hearing Winky brings up some unpleasant middle school memories. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, don't go on. Don't go on. Ambrose says, I like so many Razzie Award winners, so Rotten Tomatoes doesn't apply to me. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, as I said, you kind of had to understand beforehand, you had to understand how it was going and, and what it all meant. See, Orange Hat, who's a member, says, I remember what they did with Captain Marvel. I do, too. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I know that stream was up somewhere, or, or the video's up somewhere. I think it was on my second channel, which got rebranded, and so because of that, I because it was like a 20-hour stream or so, but it was amazing. It, it honestly was just amazing to see happen in real time. Orange Chat says, it was the ultimate wall of defense. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Orange Hat then goes on to say, Captain Marvel was the movie that caused Rotten Tomatoes to overhaul their site. Yep. Um, and again, I think that it was the, yeah, it was with that one that you started to see the audience verified scores. That, that to me was the, was the absolute biggest change overall. And it was just <laughs> not good. Amber, please no more orcs. Seriously. Jonah Wingster, these critics are so fresh, they be slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Over on Odyssey, Abomination says, 150 years ago, the people who respected each other would follow a certain book, which told slaves to treat their masters properly, and likewise told masters to treat their slaves properly. Today, it seems more people don't follow that book. Yeah. Absolutely. And over on Rumble... Kinkane Rumshki tagged to say, next time you have trouble falling asleep, just think of a 2023 Marvel show. Maybe, or maybe I'll just think about the concept of going to see the Meg 2. Maybe. <laughs> and actually, no, let's just be fair. Uh, if I'm going to have to fall asleep to any show, it's going to be Ahsoka. Ahsoka will put me to sleep any day. That is the most boring show I think I've ever seen in, in modern memory. <laughs> Kimberly G. Over on YouTube says, I always look at the audience score. If it's above 75%, I usually like it. Venom was the first movie I noticed such a huge discrepancy. Yeah, and especially once they added the verified versus unverified score, right? Um, because when you see, like, 
massive discrepancies between the so-called ver- uh, you know so-called verified score and the all score essentially the unverified score as as you will you know the argument that they're going to give is well that's because there's review bombing going on it's like the whole review the whole review bombing concept is just such a it's such a sham because when you think about it are there people that might actually be planning to come to a site just to give it a one-star review after not seeing it? Sure. Are there not also going to be people that are going to be dropping five-star reviews? One, to counter that, but then also two, who would have also thought the same thing, saying, hey, this movie, based on the trailers, seems to support my agenda. Ergo, I'm going to give it a five-star rating. Again, I think it has to go both, it does go both ways. And I think to try to argue that you know for sure that someone giving a five-star or a one-star review is for sure going to be a, a, a bot or is for sure going to be a, a shill or whatever it might be. I, I just don't see how you get there. I, I don't see how you get there. As I said, I think that Rotten Tomatoes has one thing going for it in that I do think it's interesting to have a rating from people that you can confirm have actually bought a ticket. But even then, that's something that can that, that can be manipulated too. So I don't trust it. I do not trust it. Ryan Lou says, is Letterboxd better for user reviews? In a way where you can get probably, so there are a lot of users on Letterboxd, so you do get a pretty large volume for a lot of films from what I have seen. Um, The issue there is that I feel like there is a level of snobbery with Letterboxd. And what I mean by that is there are some films which are just bad, and yet they get like very high ratings they get very so it's one of those things where it's a yes or no it's a yes and no if if there's any politics or if there's any identity politics stuff in a film i don't think you can trust the scores on letterboxd because of the user base and that's that that's a user base because if you think about rotten tomatoes rotten tomatoes in general is something that's used by a lot of people from different sides as far as the all audience score goes whereas something like our letterboxd is used by a very specific set of, of members for the most part, as far as like the diehard users are concerned. So again, all of them have their issues with it. The only reason why, again, I go with Metacritic is because its audience score is pretty much open. So there's not a lot of people that typically post things there, but you can. And again, so-called review bombing happens, I guess, or you could argue it happens um, in a much clearer way than any of the other sites. The, the thing that I am drawn to Metacritic most about, though, is the is specifically the critic score. Because if you go to the critic score on Metacritic and you compare it to the average rating, not the Rotten Tomatoes score, but the average rating by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, they're almost identical. So, as I said, you have a 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The actual, the actual score from critics who give a score is probably going to be around 8.5, like 10 points lower than the, you know, rotten, so-called Rotten Tomatoes score. If you were then to jump to Metacritic, typically, you would then see that score. And again, this is the primary score that you see. You can, of course, dive further into it, find individual scores, stuff like that. But it's the main score you see. It's actually going to be closer to 86. So you're likely you're, you're more likely to get a much more accurate portrayal of what the general sentiment of critics is. Whether you like that or not or trust that or not, hey, totally get it. But if you're looking just for what the general sentiment is among said critics, you're more likely to get that on a Metacritic versus any other place. Jacob Wiseman says, but at times, don't you have to cast out the wicked amongst you? And again, when we talk about this, we have to recognize that we, again, 
we do have to call out evil when we see it, for sure. But there is a way in which we call out wicked. Again, by wicked, we mean sin, while also recognizing the humanity of the person, of the individual person. Let's see. Rosetta adds here, behavioral tests help, but they do not give 100% of, uh, 100% on their own multiple conditions, give the same readings. Well, again, I think that when you get down to some of the more complex tests, that's going to be also testing for a myriad of other things too. Um, and so, again, when I was diagnosed very young, they did not have nearly as many tests as they do have now. Um, but I know first from my own experience how, how real my actual condition is. But I, I don't use it as an excuse. Uh, Super says, thank you for talking about ADD and sleep. I've had trouble sleeping since I was a teen and always thought it was an unrelated problem. Any advice for waking up in the morning? <laughs> okay, now that's something that you're going to have a problem with no matter who you are, I think. like Unless you're a morning person, unless you are, you have a lot of, uh, you know, unless you just love getting up in the morning, most people, ADD or not, are not going to <laughs> like getting up in the morning. I think the one thing I've heard, and this is advice I need to take myself because I don't, Getting up in the morning, you need to create a routine and you need to start a process of uh, of creating self-control, basically. And what I mean by that is there are people, I've heard this a lot with people that use programs like Exodus 90, where one of the things that you do is you make it a point to will yourself out of bed to show that you have control over yourself, basically. So, for instance, with Exodus 90, one of the things part of that program is you take cold showers, because it's that's something where you don't want to do it, you know it's going to suck, and yet when you are able to willingly choose to take a uncomfortable shower, what you are doing is you are showing that you have control over your body, basically, right? So it's it's mastering yourself, basically. So showing self mastery. So I'm not saying that taking cold showers is going to solve your issues, but what I am saying is that creating whatever program you might need to create a uh, to create self mastery in your own life is what can help you. And again, this is something that I don't do, and I know I need to do in my life, but... Let's see. Rosetta says, I have a lot of mental conditions. I don't see it as an excuse. I generally try to control it. Father says, ADD and sleep sucks. The brain will not shut off. It's like one moment you're awake, and the next you're out. I try reading about 60 to 90 minutes before bed. Yeah, and uh, this is something, too, that needs to be said. There are There's a lot of research now that also shows this, too, that in the era that we are now in with social media and cell phone usage, you have many kids today who show symptoms of ADHD when in reality, they're phone addicts. So screen time is also a big key factor here because some of you might be thinking, hey, I have had similar experiences, but if you're someone where maybe you're younger and you have... Uh, or maybe you know you use your cell phone a lot or you use social media a lot, especially the cell phone aspect of it, that it could also be that you have trained your brain because of the different signals and because of the stimu- uh, again, getting that type of stimulus from your phone usage that you have actually created in yourself within your brain chemistry uh, the symptoms of what would seem like something like ADHD, when in reality, it's not. And what they found, though, is that in these vast majority of cases what they've done is they've then limited the usage and the brain has returned to a normal state. So that could also be it too. Again, I'm not a doctor. I want to make that very clear. It should already be pretty clear, but I am not a doctor. So obviously always, you know, try to find that out for yourself. But I, I do think that there, there is a lot of stuff that we can take from this though. Abomination over an honesty says there is a morning. Yeah, I know. Right. 
<laughs> uh, KK says, I was barely able to wake up for this live cast. Dang. <laughs> he was also very offended that I had to throw the Meg 2 under the bus like that. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. All right. Let's go ahead then and jump back into uh, some more news here today. So first off, let me go ahead and give my quick thoughts on One Piece. One Piece. And then we'll jump into the chat again um, after I do a little bit of Sound of Freedom Angel Studios coverage as well. So, One Piece is a great show. I have not in a very long time ever... I have not in a very long time felt sad that a show is over. Now, again, I know that there's going to be more episodes... But here's the interesting thing. As you can see from this article here, and this is from today, so obviously something could have changed, but as of earlier today, as it said from the title, Netflix's live-action One Piece producers say scripts are ready for second season. Expect to receive renewal decision in the next week to two weeks. That means that One Piece live-action has not yet gotten renewed for a second season. I don't see how this show doesn't get renewed almost immediately. Isn't it kind of infuriating that there are shows that have been shown to not be popular, that have been shown to have massive drop-offs in audience, that somehow got instant uh, renewal? And yet a show like this, and again, maybe it's because, hey, they saw what happened with Cowboy Bebop, and they didn't know what's going to happen with this show. I hope they realize now, the problem with Cowboy Bebop was not because it was a manga-turned-anime-turned-live-action that's the problem, but it was because the live-action adaptation of the anime of the manga was garbage, was not respecting the source material, was trying to change things for a, quote, modern audience, whereas One Piece, on the other hand, said, hey, we obviously have to have the same problem because it is, it is hard to adapt things. It is hard to adapt things, especially when it comes from an animated world, when you have things like people who can stretch and do the massive punching and all the fun silliness that anime typically has. But if you actually respect the source material and you do the very best you can to present it as faithfully as you can, people are going to respond well. And as someone that is not a uh, big anime person, I, I do like anime. I've mentioned this previously. I do love Studio Ghibli films. I, I love Miyazaki. There's a lot of stuff there. Dragon Ball Z would be kind of like the, the biggest of shows that I would be watching from, from anime. But ultimately, I, I'm not really in that world. So I actually did not know anything about One Piece until I started this show. And as soon as they start to go into the storyline, I'm like, wait, this is about pirates? That's awesome. And then they start getting into the character developments, and it just comes across as a, yeah, this is what I would think a live-action anime would probably be like. Because it is cartoonish. It is fun. And it gives people something to look forward to. And as I said just a few minutes ago, I have not had a show that I am sad that it is over, that I am sad that there is not another episode for me to be able to watch in a very long time, especially amongst modern stuff. This, this is one of the best of the modern shows that, that we really have. And it's amazing, too, that there are, there are really a couple of shows, because I think I mentioned Twisted Metal last time. Twisted Metal, I have a little bit more of an issue with because of um, language, sexuality, stuff like that. There is some language in here, but really, it's amazing because it is really a, a live-action cartoon for, for older audiences, for, for teens and up. And it's so rare that you have a show like that that can appeal to that demographic without being complete and other garbage. Whether, you know, 
objectively or uh, just moral garbage. That this this movie, or rather this story and, and this show and this adaptation does such a great job of of you know again from people who have seen it they've said it's a great adaptation, but also just as someone coming at it from the outside, it does such a great job of showing you how friendships and how relationships can and should be built, what they should be based off of, right? How when you make a mistake, you can come back, that, that it's not the end, that there is a pathway forward. You have to obviously make amends, but there is a pathway forward. I love it. I think this show is fantastic. And it's it's so good that I have actually started to look into, because I know there's a lot. I know that it's a, it's a huge uh, manga. And I know it's a huge anime series because it's still going on today. And there's like, what, hundreds of episodes, something like that. But I am even considering diving into the world of the anime um, because that's how much I enjoy the story. And I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait to find out what happens next. <laughs> so, yeah, I love this show. I think it's great. And this is coming from an outsider who, who does not know anything about the source material. And it infuriates me to no end that a show like this is still waiting to be renewed when there's been so much garbage put out there that has gotten almost instantly renewed. It's crazy. And the last of the stories tonight is with Angel Studios. So Angel Studios has been killing it. For those that don't know, Angel Studios is the distributor of Sound of Freedom, of which Sound of Freedom has been doing also very, very well. And when you look at this news here, this is actually pretty exciting. So Angel Studios announces anime-inspired Gabriel and the Guardians series. Angel Studios, distributor of Sound of Freedom and producer of the Chosen series, announced they will produce a brand new anime-inspired series called Gabriel and the Guardians. Oh, man. It goes on to say, In a press release, Angel Studios' detailed series is anime-influenced series set in the enchanting world of Era, where celestial beings, mortals, and dark giants collide in a battle for destiny and light. They added, Inspired by ancient Hebrew scriptures, Gabriel and the Guardians is an epic fantasy series that tells the story of Gabriel, a celestial being from an unseen realm, with unyielding optimism, Gabriel never backs down and inspires his friends through enchanting adventures of truth and self-discovery. That just sounds awesome. Again, that just sounds cool. I would love for it to be a little bit more biblical, personally, but this is, again, it sounds to me, and again, this is very early thoughts, so I could be completely off on this, but it sounds to me like they are trying to say, they're trying to tell a story through anime that is going to try to go after a demographic without being a a clear or a blatant faith-based project, basically, right? So having those elements in there, right? Having the morals of the story, having those key uh, psychological elements, having those key uh, emotional beats in there, but also at the same time changing it enough so that it's not just a beat-for-beat adaptation of the Bible. I don't know. I think that that could be good. I think that could be really cool. So I saw that news and I said, okay, that's actually, that sounds really, really cool. And I actually think I might actually be looking forward to that. And then add to that the fact that Sound of Freedom is doing very well. And of course, this got to a point where in the video over on Newsweek, because it's Newsweek, of course, how they went on to say, the movie's been accused of pandering the support of QAnon. Again, that, that old song and dance, as it were. But the big story is this. Sound of Freedom has smashed the box office expectations outside of its biggest market, the United States, which comes as no surprise to its director. Obviously, a huge surprise for... <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, the, the media and, and for Hollywood, of course, because they never had any hope or any belief in this movie. Uh, we were told only uh, we were told we only have a one percent chance to be successful, but it was our audience that came out and defended the movie, and it's thanks to the audience that we survived the attacks from critics. Absolutely, absolutely. 
The film about uh, uh, child sex trafficking became the surprise hit of the summer in the United States, making $182.5 million despite only having a budget of 15. Sound of Freedom also outperformed mega franchises Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning and Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny to become the 10th highest grossing movie of 2023 so far. And again, when you take into account the budget, but not even just the budget, how the story came to be, how Disney put this film on ice, and also the media attacks, the nonstop media attacks against it, oh goodness, it truly is amazing. It truly is amazing. So again, shout out to them. This 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 film is doing phenomenal. And again, some box office stuff there. I don't care really about the nun or big fat Greek wedding, um, but I do obviously care a lot about Sound of Freedom because it's it's just great. And it's pretty much finished making the amount of money um, or most of its money um, at this point in its release is sixty thousand dollars. But it's been out for six six days and still still making my one hundred ninety million dollars worldwide is where it currently is seven point six million dollars in the international markets. And again, it's looking like this film is outperforming any and all expectations in the international market. So kudos to them. It's looking like $200 million is absolutely going to happen. And the question is, how much more does it make? So kudos to them. And if you have not seen it yet and it's coming to your country, go watch it. Go show it some love. All right. Let's go ahead and end things by finishing these last comments that we have. So please hold any new comments. Any comments that have already been posted, I will be getting to. Um, Let us see. Let's see. Abomination over on Alex says, I'm torn. I never would have expected Netflix, the company with cuties and dear white people, to have an actually good anime adaptation that I haven't heard of a lot of negativity about. Yeah. And again, that that's just kind of the old adage of just because you have a, not this adage, but just because you have a garbage company or a, a garbage creator does not mean that good content cannot come from it. And I know that some people are like, ugh. I can't even believe that you're even talking about having Netflix or anything. It's like, look, if you want to boycott it, I fully support your boycott. And I've mentioned this previously. The prime reason why I still have it is because that is not a battle I'm willing to have with with my wife. Happy wife is a happy life. You pick your battles, and that one to me is not one worth that is having. That that's just again, that's that's where I stand on that. If you don't like that, okay. I got news for you. But if you want to boycott it and if you want to not have it, hey. I fully support you. I fully support you in that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's good. It really is good, Abomination. Over on Rumble, King and Rumsky says, I was barely able to wake up for the live cast. I got that one already. Anyway, uh, Kevin Wang says, What streaming services do you sub to? Uh, so, let's see. In my family, we've got pretty much all of them. Uh, I recently canceled Criterion because I just wasn't really using that one. Um, but... Yeah, pretty much any of of the main channels. Jenna Wingster says, I rewatched Liar Liar today. I missed 90s Jim Carrey. Oh, it was the best, wasn't it? It was so good. <laughs> so, so good. Jeremy Zakowski trying to say, my brother went to Popeye's a few months ago and all he got food po- Oh, no! He, he went to the wrong one, dude. All right? Because I, I I've been to Popeye's so many times in my life. Not as many as you would think, but so many times in my life that uh, I and I've never gotten food poisoning from there. So you just went to the wrong one. He, or he just went to the wrong one. Uh, General Wingster, oh, you skipped my comment. I called you a racist, a racist because you hate white rice. I see what you did there. I'm sorry that I skipped over. That was not my intention. That was not my intention. A racist. That's great. 
Forever Sci-Fi, rather amusing that people calling us all bots for hating on their crap were busy paying people to say it was good. I know, right? Isn't it a bit uh, silly that that is the side <laughs> where they decided to go? Let's see. Uh, Zero Cool, what's going on? Welcome to the chat. Marshall J, thank you very much for being a member here on the channel, says, Did you see the new Godzilla TV series trailer that be coming to Apple TV later this year or next year? I can't remember exactly which one. No. I thought there was just the two movies. Um, one was coming at the end of this year from Toho, and then the MonsterVerse one, which I have no interest in. Let's see. This is actually the brainwave test has been around since the 80s for uh, for ADHD, but most doctors would not refer them. Exactly, but that's essentially the same thing I was just saying. Forever Sci-Fi says, the most effective technique I've found is that once I get out of bed, I make my bed. Gets me started and removes the temptation to get back into bed. Yeah, again, I think that that is a great example of you don't have to just do a cold shower, but something that will motivate you, but it all comes down to self-mastery, right? So, yeah, absolutely. That's a good That's a good recommendation for sci-fi. I like that. Uh, Berg Flicka, thank you very much for that $20 donation via Streamlabs. Brother, thank you so much. That was very, very generous. Thank you for, vi- di- thank you for donating via Streamlabs because YouTube ain't getting none of that. So thank you for your time and insight from a Christian perspective on pop culture. No problem at all, Berg Flicka. Thank you for your love and for your support. I really do appreciate that. Let's see. Orange Chat. Oh, man. I feel so bad for you, Orange Chat. Don't you apologize. I feel bad for you. I got to go. It's going to be hard right now. I feel the stream has been going for a duration of three hours. Time is warping on me. I'm, Dude, Orange Chat, I'm so sorry that happened, dude. And uh, yeah, definitely get, get your friend in check for doing that. That's not cool. Uh, Jacob Weisman, concrete work is self-mastery. Super says, exactly, it's manufactured ADHD. The kids are impulsive and they can't stand being bored. Another common one is teachers assume it's ADHD when little kids are bored in school. Yep, absolutely. That's why it is important for us to be able to distinguish between the two. General Mixer says, Dr. Odin, he totally is a doctor. No, I am not. <laughs> I am not a doctor. How dare you? General Mixer, Meg 2 sucks and people on Rumble are fake. Boom! Shots fired, King Kane Rumsky. General Wingster throwing that hot fire. Berg Flicka, still upset over how they butchered Cowboy Bebop. Also figured Meg was bad. How much worse could Meg 2 be? After 25 bucks wasted on Amazon, found out it could be worse. Oh, dang. So Berg Flicka is saying the Meg 2 is worse than the first one. I thought the first one was fun. It's not a good movie, but it was entertaining. It's everything I wanted it to be. Anything I, everything I wanted it to be. Um, and, and the second one, I'm like, look, the first one, it could only ever be so good. And it was really one of those things where it's just so silly and stupid that it's fun. But when they decided to make a sequel, I'm like, okay, I can't. I, I just can't. No, I can't do it. I can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. <laughs> and with the Cowboy Bebop, I, I didn't even give the live action a shot. Because I'm like, no, I don't trust you. Super says, gotta be honest, I'm shocked this was any good. Knowing how crazy One Piece is and knowing Netflix's history with anime. Good job. Seriously, give credit where credit's due. For sure. You don't forget about the nonsense, but give credit where credit's due. Rosetta says, I am a huge manga fan. Cool. Jacobite says, live action anime is Power Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually know the history of Power Rangers all that much. I grew up with the 90s TV show. Um, but I guess, yeah, I know that the footage was used from a Japanese show. So I, I'm assuming that is from a Japanese anime. But then the other stuff that they added in with the American actors would have been, I guess, their own stuff. I don't know. I don't know too much about it. 
But we are running out of time. Um, let's see. Oh, Zero Cool. Uh, just put at Odin next time, brother. But I see you tagging my channel here. It says, you ever watch Out- Outlaw Star? No, I did not. And then, do you sell rosaries? I don't know what to do with them, but I want one. I don't sell them. I give them away. So if you go to my website, ombreviews.com, ombreviews.com, you'll see there's a tab listed as rosary request. Just fill out the form, and uh, I, I send them away for free. If you want to donate, there is a uh, link and explanation of how to do that, but you do not have to. And uh, appreciate uh, any love and support. But yeah, I, I give those away for free. And pineapple pizza, yeah, pineapple pizza is absolutely an abomination. Let's see. Marshall uh, says here, Netflix really missed the mark on Cowboy Bebop. Angry a lot of fan, angers a lot of fans. See why I got canceled so fast after only three weeks. Yeah, seriously. That's what happens when you you don't pay attention to your fans. Let's see. Bweezy Bird, what's up? Check text. Yep, absolutely correct. Joe Wingster, it's true. I got the whip for Odin in the closet. <laughs> Daddy, you. Tina Guzman, yeah, you must have gone to the wrong Popeye's uh, brother of, <laughs> I forgot who, whose brother it was, but yeah, Tina, same way. I have not gotten sick either. Jazz Pena, saw Equalizer 3, I thought it was good. It's solid. It really is. I also hope Dumb Money is good. It looks good. The trailer looks good, but it is what it is. Rodrigo Araujo, what's going on? Welcome back. Uh, sorry, welcome to the channel. I don't know if I've seen you in the chat before. Again, we are at the end of the stream, so that's why I'm going through these last comments here. Hardwick, tag to say, uh, Kobe in the live action One Piece is played by the same uh, mentally ill girl who played the boy in Evil Dead Rise. Kobe in live action Dead Please is played by the same mentally ill girl who played the boy in Evil Dead Rise? What? I'll have to look into that, but... Okay. Forever Sci-Fi, I sent some 4Ks for you to give away. They're in your P.O. box. Oh, thank you. They, I appreciate that. I'll have to go to my P.O. box. I had been going to my P.O. box every uh, week for like a month or two, and there was nothing ever there. So that's why I, it's been like a couple weeks. So hopefully it should still be there. Um, but seriously, thank you very much for, for doing that. I will definitely check that out, brother. And you're awesome. Thank you very much. So that's going to be it for me, everybody. I'm just a few minutes over time tonight. So thank you again for watching. A bit of a recap. Right Side of Freedom doing very well internationally. Angel Studios announcing some pretty cool projects. The other project I did not mention is the fact that they are actually going to be releasing next year in March, I believe, a movie about uh, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Uh, an amazing woman uh, who who set up and created a lot of schools here. And I am just so looking forward to it. If you've not seen the trailer for it, it actually looks really, really good. It's the same director who did Sound of Freedom. So expect that same level of quality where it does not come across as just your typical faith-based movie. And yet it's going to be about a very important person in the life of uh, of the church. So I'm very excited for that. King and Rumsky over on Rumble. Wait on. It says, I would respond to Wingster, but as they say, they would be punching down. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Goodness. Anyway, we also talked about how Rotten Tomatoes has always been corrupt in, you know, more or less terms, but the recent revelation of them having reviews on there that have been paid for really isn't all that surprising. Um, when everything is said and done. So anyway, you guys have been all phenomenal, amazing, and beautiful people. Again, thank you all again for being here. Sorry I was not able to get to any of these last comments that are coming in, always at the last minute, but I will try to get to them as, um, or at least try to read them uh, as the credits are rolling. But you guys have been great. This has been a lot of fun. Just keep in mind also that I only have like a couple weeks left until my baby girl is born. So 
Uh, and obviously anything could happen prior to that. So if, if I'm out of it for a bit, that would be why, uh, if things go according to plan, I'll be able to announce that I will be out of it for a time and I will keep y'all updated as, as much as I possibly can. Um, but anyway, just wanted to give y'all a little bit of a heads up on that. But for this week, it should be a pretty normal week ultimately when everything is said and done. So thank you all very much for watching. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless.